floating like butterflies and stinging like bees. Rumble, you badass jet pilots, rumble. Welcome to the Wingman Show. I'm Drew Brown. We're here to inspire, entertain, and learn so we can all grow. Happiness and serenity are the keys. To you, my, my friend, my wingman, my main man, I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Paul Thompson. Hey, Paul. Good morning, Mr. Drew. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard from the one and only Drew Brown, Dark Gable, the American dream. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's the pilot's pilot, the role model's role model, and most importantly, his royal fullness. Thank you for listening to the podcast, looking at the podcast. And if you could, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. We would appreciate it. I'm doing very good this morning, Mr. Drew. How are you? I'm doing great. You ready to start this show? I'm ready. All right. We'll check this out. This morning when I was taking a shower, Paul, I was actually washing the bottom of my feet and something happened. I was actually grateful for I have all the feeling in the bottom of my feet. Now, you're probably saying, what the hell does that got to do with anything? And it leads me to this story. Paul, a very good friend of mine, probably my best friend. He one day took me into an operating room against all rules. So he had me covered from head to toe. I was like his assistant or something like that. And I knew that if I kind of blew it, he would 100% get in trouble. So I had to be real cool. And if you know me, I kind of overacted even, you know, I was writing little notes and things like that. Anyway, he proceeded to bring me into this operating room and they rolled in this patient. I was wondering, you know, what is this? Anyway, the doctor I was with is the, like highest of all surgeons. I mean, he's way up there. The guy who was doing this procedure was just a general surgeon. No big deal. But I see there's a pecking order in that also. So anyway, he was really excited. My friend was in there. So they just proceeded to talk. They took the covers off this dude's feet. It was the most hot. You think a horror movie's bad. He had diabetic feet and his toes looked like a horror film. Well, as I sit there and going, well, OK, got to go. The surgeon takes a garden shear. That's what it looked like to me, because it was it might have been very clean, but it was a garden shear and proceeded to clip his toes off me. I don't even do blood, Paulie. Paul, I don't do blood. I'm just not, I don't do dead. I don't do blood. That's not me. It's not who I am. And I had to stand there and watch this. So what is the meaning of all this? I have now diabetes. I've had diabetes for a while. It is totally controlled through diet now. Okay. I went through the insulin period. I went through the oral period. I I really haven't ever gone through a period where I let it get out of control. But what happened to this guy was he had diabetic feet and they cut off his toes. And I have a cousin who died from this disease. He came here with one leg, honest to God, in his bag for a family reunion. He had a Cinnabon and an orange pop. They took his other leg and now, God bless it, his physical body is gone. My point is, I was now rubbing the bottom of my feet. And usually, you know, you, you do things like that without thinking. I am so grateful that I have feeling. And that just starts my gratitude list. My daddy said a long time ago, anytime you're feeling bad, you just start your gratitude list and start off with 10 fingers and 10 toes. And if you can start from there, work your way up. Anyway, I say all that because of the medical part of COVID. 
Okay, it's now every day. That's the top story. People are dying, and now it's affecting children. Okay, Paul, this is very unacceptable. This is way past acceptable. I feel like we're we're in Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Yeah. Do you think this was a pandemic that was planned? <laughs> no, I, I have I have a, I have a couple of friends that believe that one is uh, one works in a research lab. Right. You should stop outside talking this country. to your friends. Get okay. new friends. <laughs> well, this is like an extended relative who works in a research lab. Okay. So, you know, not not you know, a little more valid than the Uber driver or the, you know. Yeah, it's but it's show. still internet. It's not the national knowledge of scientists. Oh, this is a scientist. This is I a, know, but it's his opinion, not right. the entire world scientist state. It's right. him against them. It doesn't matter because it's here, so we got to deal with it. Right. So. You know, Albert Einstein, this is a funny story. It brings me to that. The theory of relativity during Hitler's time, Hitler once had 40 scientists sign a letter saying that the theory of relativity was incorrect. If it was myself, I know I'd have been really furious and tried to prove them wrong. And Albert Einstein brilliantly just said, if it was wrong, all you needed was one signature. Yeah, well, I've heard that uh, there's PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder amongst healthcare workers. Uh, in fact, we, uh, we, we, we know a few nurses, you know, in the family or uh, friends of ours that, uh, they're not working directly in the operating rooms, but everybody seems to be affected. I read where they were even looking at triage care, where, you know, your, your son's a doctor, your son's a big time doctor, but they've got to decide who gets care and who doesn't. I saw this thing about Idaho, for example, which is not a populous state, but there's, they've got what, uh, what their own kind of managed care, where if you're, if it doesn't look like you're going to make it, they're going to give you, I think, called comfort care. We'll give you something to feel good because we don't have any beds to put you in. You're not going to get the special treatment because the COVID patients are taking everything up. So during two administrations ago, I remember there was talk by one of the presidential candidates about uh, death panels. You know, if, if, if healthcare comes in, you know, they're going to have death panels and decide who died. They're doing that now. Wow. They're doing that right now in different places and maybe more places. The bad. advice is don't do anything high risk to get you in the hospital because you may not go, which is really bad. I mean, I'm driving yesterday all day and hope nothing happens. So this first world technology and efficiency we have in this country, we're blessed to have it, but you may not have it because it, the rooms are full. The rooms are full of people who shouldn't be there. Um, well, Dr. They, Paul, let me, Dr. Paul, let me ask you this. What about the unvaccinated? Should they get the same amount of care as the vaccinated if they made a decision to be unvaccinated? I'm not saying one way or another, just like your opinion. Yeah, that's that's you know, that's a that's a tough one. Now, the unvaccinated, I don't know, maybe if if they're not too far gone, maybe they should switch with the people who are coming in. I don't know the degrees of, of sickness, but there are a lot of people. Some would suggest, well. You know, if somebody needs an operation or something that's life-saving and they can't get it, that the people that tell them not to come to the hospital should be unvaccinated people. They should be made to call them and say, sorry, there's no beds available because I'm occupying. I heard that a, a guy say that on the radio yesterday. It kind of made a little bit of sense. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a psychological thing. But uh, I saw it today also where, where Qantas Airlines is won't let you fly internationally if you've been unvaccinated. United Airlines came out with a thing saying uh, they want everybody to be vaccinated. And if you're not, I think they're going to give you unpaid leave. Wow. I think I saw that recently. So you could say, well, that's just uh, a mood to get everybody into the new world order. So we got robots going our skins and control in uh, France, Germany. I think they're revolting against it. It's a it's a it's a major mess. I seen kids with signs. Don't take my breath away. My granddaughter's with me and she's wearing a mask where I go. And here's the point again. Is there a chance? Is there a possibility? And are you talking about dead? Okay, we're wearing a mask. It's not that hard of a decision. Paul. It's not that big a deal. The mask is not a big deal. I get designer masks and comfortable. I got a bunch of the N95s and they, they, they're cheap. Well, guess cheaper. who's going to the hospital, Dr. Paul, who shouldn't be there also? People who are now dying and getting really injured from extreme weather. And this was a statement was just made, which is definitely true. I never heard it nationally. But this is going to be the new norm, okay? This extreme weather is because of people 50 years ago didn't give a shit. And people 100 years ago gave less of it. So we are now experiencing that. If we don't want it to get worse, something must be done. And I just never heard it like that. And people are now dying. I mean, you know, you and I come from New York. They're flooding and dying of weather in New York. All we have is bad snow and galoshes. Right, galoshes. But you're old if you remember that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they talk about, you know, Queens. I know Queens Boulevard pretty well. I mean, it's a big boulevard. They talk about flooding in Queens Boulevard. There's no water near Queens Boulevard. There's no water at all. And, uh, you know, people drowning in basements. Because mm. a lot of times, you know, folks are making money, so they got them packed downstairs and making it because everything's so expensive. So you got folks living illegally. Uh, in a lot of places, usually they burn up in a fire. Now they're getting flooded out. Uh, yeah, the weather's changing. You know, when they were looking at a new Amazon headquarters or a bigger headquarters, they were looking at New York City. I think they decided to put it in Virginia. But they were looking at New York City real hard. And they were going to put it on City Island. And I remember even when they were considering it, they had all, they were already considering climate change and how they would have to build it up so that the water wouldn't overrun in, in the next 50 or 60 years. They're even planning that. This is like three years ago. But who nobody would have thought that this would have just happened all of a sudden because that storm came up like I-95 and just tore up New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York. It pretty much went straight, a straight path. And the system can't, can't handle it. I was talking to the, uh, the uh, great-grand Ayatollah a couple days ago, and his sense, his sense is that, well, a lot, there's a lot of junk in the system that has never been cleaned up, and that contributes to the overflow of things. And part of that is cleaning. Yeah, we talked about it today. Remember I told you something? That's amazing you said infrastructure. Paul, tell us we need skilled workers. They cannot find them. That means all these jobs that they just made tri- a trillion dollars they put into the infrastructure, they're going to go to foreigners because we don't have the skilled workers to actually fill those jobs. Yeah, the advantage of, of trade schools. You know, I'm, I may go back to school myself, learn how to do a couple little things. You know, <laughs> not just not just build websites and play video games, which is a lot of what the, the culture has been doing. Can't do squat. That, 
That's true. Well, you know, we're coming up to an anniversary of 20 years ago. Where were you during 9-11? I, it's one of those times. I remember when Kennedy was assassinated. I remember where I was. And when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, I remember where I was. And I also remember where I was when 9-11 happened. And that was 20 years ago. And I only bring that up because it's one of those memories forever. I bring that up because of the name Osama. Osama bin Laden, he's part of another club that you and I had talked about earlier that I think is an amazing club, and it's the 54 Club. We just lost a very famous and great actor, Michael Williams. Uh, we don't know yet to what, but he, he was found dead at 54. Mm -hmm. Dr. Paul, will you take us into the depth of the 54 Club because it's twice the 27 Club, which you'll let us know about also. Incredible. Yeah, the 54 Club. While these people died at age 54, yeah, Michael Williams, uh, he was famous for being on the HBO series The Wire. Admittedly, I only watched like one or two episodes. Greatest, just, greatest TV show, I think, ever. It was one of those that were really good. But I remember I remember the two that I watched, two or three I watched, he was he was he had segments in there and he took over the whole screen. But I, I also watched a thing called Boardwalk Empire, which I liked a lot. Yeah, you know, he was chalky white. He, chalky he, white. He, he stole the scene. Chalky he stole, white. I don't think there's any real guy gangster named Chalky White. There was a Chalky Wright who was a boxer in California. I did a little every once in a while they take stories and they have real stuff and they have some make-believe stuff and they mix it in there. That's why I say, you know, the, the events in this story are or fictional, any relations to persons either living or dead or, you know, coincidental. In other words, I make up a little of this, I make up a little of that. But he was tremendous. He was, he was, the Borwick Empire was great. But I remember, you know, not to go too deep into it, season two, the last two episodes he was in, those last two episodes were better than the whole three seasons put together. I yeah. still remember. Tremendous. Well, I always thought when he acted, he wasn't acting. He I ends up because he, he reminded gangster. me of people that I know. Yes, he was a real gangster too. I don't he he wasn't out of character. He no. was terrific. He was scary. Yeah, yeah. He was a drug guy. He was he was everything guy. They said it was it was fentanyl, opioids. Well, that's that's that's, that's what I've that's heard. I'm dope. not a car. Who else was in that 54 club? Oh, there's a singer, Luther Vandross. I think he had kidney problems. Uh John Ritter from uh Three's Company, fairly popular TV actor, Michael Landon who was in a series called Bonanza. I like that a lot. And Little House on the Prairie. Uh, I think he was an athlete, too, for a while. Wow. Um, let's see. The ultimate uh, wrestler called the Ultimate Warrior. Yes, he was Hartford. the bomb. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those guys are good. A lot of them had the similar kinds of things. I think the, uh, uh, the macho man, Randy Savage, might have had the same problem. I don't know his age, but heart disease, you know, steroid use. Steroids affect the hearts. It's kind of a common problem. Uh, Robert Palmer, he was a singer. Yeah. You know, Addicted to Love. You might as well yeah. face your Addicted to Love. That was a good song. Uh, Tina Marie, the singer. She sang with Rick James. Great voice. Great, uh -huh. great, great singer. And Kenneth Williams. Those are, those, those, are, those are the big names that I have lit now. Now, you want to hear about the 27-year-olds? The 27 Club, 100%. Yeah, now this is like talking half. about it, and this is double 27, 54. Double 27. You know, uh, Jimi Hendrix, the great guitarist, Janis Joplin, singer, Jim Morrison of the Doors, 
a guy named Brian Jones of uh, Rolling Stones, Robert Johnson, the blues man, Kurt Cobain, and uh, Amy Winehouse. Very popular wow. people. And uh, it just I think it, it was all drugs. Yeah. And then there's you know, people that they thought would die, and they're you know, back in 1969 or whatever. They're around today. It's a bad disease. And, you know, a lot of people look at their lives and think because they have money, how could they do this? They were perfect. Chris Rock, I th- even, or somebody, I can't, I don't know what comedian tasted and ate food around the world. And they said he hung himself in the hotel. You can't oh, yeah, get a Anthony better job. Bourdain. Anthony yes, Bourdain. Correct. Like you him. can't get a better job than tasting food around the world. Yes. So, you know, you and I both come, we were both born in Harlem. We both grew up in New York City in a way of not poverty, but project apartment life. That's how we grew up mm-hmm. in the streets. And all we wanted was fame and fortune. I mean, it's almost like every kid's dream is fame and fortune. And now that I've gotten older and I look back, be careful what you ask for, because fame and fortune could not be taken by many people. And if you look at all the people who get quick fame and fortune, a lot of athletes, a lot of entertainers, they don't know what to do. I had a cousin he was a crackhead, but, you know, $5 a day can't kill him. You know, he couldn't go buy two pounds of crack. So be careful what you ask for. I was fortunate enough to grow up with the most famous man in the world. And it was not fun for him much of the time. He's trying to get a meal and people would take the fork out of his hand to get an autograph. People would crowd him and he couldn't go places, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you know, there's no more going to Walmart. There's no more going to movies with a friend. This, this is the worst part. You don't even know who is your friend. You know, mm-hmm. that's why my dad was a true friend, because he said what he had to say, whether you like me or not. But when it comes to, you know, women and friends, you have a lot of money. A lot of people's uh, attitude changes. How mm-hmm. was he when Ali, did he ever snap back or was he gracious or how did he? I got to say, there's a lot of things about the champ. That I could say, and he's a human being. Mm-hmm. He was the most gracious, gracious athlete, entertainer, person I've ever met. He not ever turned down an autograph, no matter how long he had to stay. Even, and this is incredible. I saw him years later in Memphis in one of the malls. I, I think it was the Hickory Hood Mall back then. Okay. Hickory all the Ridge. Mall, all, yes, all the mall of, um, mall of murder. Remember that one? Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he's great. He used to be great, but that's that's another story. It was. Anyway, I, I saw him and the kids were younger and he started. He already had Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. He had it so bad. He even asked me how my dad was. And my dad physically had passed many years before that. But anyway, I remember him signing a baseball as he was walking. And it took him maybe 10 seconds to actually write out M U H. And it was the most incredible scene you could ever see. So as far as that, he loved his people. He truly did love his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fame and fortune. Sometimes it's good to be anonymous so you can just kind of go out and do your thing. Well, a re- very wealthy man and very wealthy man. His name, I, I'll, I'll tell you, Brad Butler, who was almost who was a father figure to me. He was a CEO and chairman of the board of Procter & Gamble. We're talking way up there. And he once told me the greatest gift God ever gave him was anonymity. 
That's fine. I never heard of him. I, I worked for Procter and Gamble for a summer. I never heard that. That was a long time ago. I never heard that name, so I agree. Yep. And when we were talking about growing up also, you and I have something in common that's really incredible, and we are both only children. True. And there are a lot of advantages to being an only child, a lot of advantages. One of them is Christmas and Hanukkah for me. Everything was mine. I knew that from the beginning. Any holiday, everything's mine, 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 mine. Like those seagulls, mine, 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 mine. Another advantage is I can play by myself. Mm -hmm. I can hang out by myself. I love myself. You know, talking about relationships real quick. When you think that somebody else, you can't live without somebody else. You think very little of yourself. Mm -hmm. I agree. You you and I have traveled the world. There are billions of people out there. Anytime somebody doesn't want to be with you, bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you later. Anyway, that's an advantage of being an only child and having parents that believe in you. Okay. But the only child thing comes when you grow up where we come from in the ghetto. You you don't have any backup. I really said you ain't got no backup. My daughter, Taryn, if she watches, she'll edit all my speaking problems. So Mm -hmm. anyway, you don't have any backup. And that's not a good thing in the hood. It's just not a good thing. So the wingman, I'll start off real quick. But the wingman this week are going to be. My cousin Larry and my cousin Butchie, okay, they lived in the building behind me. My mother and their mother became very good friends, and we went through a lot together, which is not important at this time. But anyway, they were, to me, my cousins, and they were gangsters. They were little hood gangsters. I mean, for real, like knives, guns. Butchie wound up in a wheelchair getting shot in the back, and my cousin Larry died from a drug overdose years later. But what I'm saying is they were my backup. And anytime I got into a position and I could use their name, I did. I did. And it actually worked. I believe you have a wingman, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. You, you talk about being only child. It is good to have a, a team behind you sometimes. Sometimes one one versus one, one versus many is not good. Those are not good odds. Everybody's not fair. <laughs> Life isn't fair and everybody isn't fair. But uh, remember, we had a guy one time. We, uh, you know, the people I was with were everybody was pretty good. Everybody's pretty good. Most folks ended up okay, uh, except for one guy that committed a few murders and a few that did go to jail for long periods of time. Maybe they they might have died there. Unfortunately, well, for the most part, everybody was pretty normal. Uh, there were some gangsters and some bad gangsters that would kind of come around um, when we were real little, real little. And uh, we had a, a couple come around one time that we couldn't really couldn't handle. We couldn't handle. But there was a major gangster that lived about two and a half houses away. And this was, uh, it was Joe Harkness. And he was a major gangster. He was in and out of jail all the time, uh, fighting with the police all the time. Never heard of anybody else doing that. He, you know, he seemed to walk around pretty good. But the thing was that at that time, this is a long time ago, gangsters, gangbangers, whatever we call them at that time, had really good manners. Mm-hmm. Criminals, there's certain things that criminals didn't do. They didn't bother, typically they didn't bother children. They didn't bother women ever. Uh, were very respectful. They typically didn't curse around women. They never, they never asked a woman, for a female for money. A little small thing. Men and men have changed a lot. 
A lot of things they just wouldn't do. And sometimes if they broke those rules, those rules, you know, they would be very, very penalized. I know where I went to school, there was a, there was a school for deaf children. Were they blind or deaf? I think, I think blind and deaf. And it was right next to a very, 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 very bad area. You know what happened in that area? Nothing. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. Anything happened to those kids? Uh, death penalty to those who don't. There are parts of Jersey like that, too. Certain things, nothing happens. You know, if you steal something, it'll be there. It might be a hand with it or a finger. That stuff did happen. But, uh, you know, one time we had a bad problem with, with these guys with knives coming at us, and we didn't know what to do. Ran it by Joe Hark. He didn't see him much. Sometimes he's, he's coming after a day of work, which was a day of work and doing bad things. Remember <laughs> we told we had these guys you know, blah, 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 blah. He said, oh, where is this? They said, what do they look like? Oh, okay, fine. And like the next day, like never saw him again. Nothing ever happened uh, because there's a pecking order thing. He was high in the pecking order. He wasn't like Tony Soprano, but he was like two-thirds of the way up there. Right. He would be like the Sammy the Bull Gravano type versus with John Gotti. Not the number one guy, but he's like two or three. And two or three, he's got a lot of pull. and from you know a time of terror terror campaign it goes to you know we're in mr rogers neighborhood all of a sudden it's like you know how, what happened to these guys they just they all just disappeared and he would walk by he said everything's going everything's good it's okay fine you know but you know meantime you could tell something had happened and he's just making sure <laughs> that, that nothing happened he ended up dying of AIDS a long time ago when first from he was a, he was a drug user he was a heroin user and uh, get some bad needles, and that's how he went. He died young. He seemed like an old guy at that time. Uh, when I saw him near the end of his life, he was probably in his thirties. Yeah, so that's my that's my that's my little story. So we had a wingman who was a gangster. Right. He was always nice to us, and he took care of you. And the cool, really cool thing is that uh, where we grew up, they did have some morals. Uh, things have changed now. Uh, with the morals, but guess what? I now have a PSA from the Wingman Show. Oh, I'm paying attention. Love yourself. Be your own best friend. If somebody doesn't love you, learn how to say bye-bye. Learn how to say bye-bye. The world is a very big place, and there is someone here on this planet who will love you to death. This has been a PSA from The Wingman Show. Very good. Yes, another PSA, please, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. If you like what you're seeing, pass it on to your friends. Uh, We'll have some good content for you coming in the future, things on the website. What's the website? Website is Wingman Show, W-I-N-G-M-E-N. Wingman Show, S H O W dot com. W I N G M E N S H O W dot com. You can see all the episodes and uh, you can see everything. The music of the week is an album called Unwrap and it's hip hop and jazz without any cursing, without any of that part, but it's real funky. Unwrapped. Unwrap. I'll have to look at that. Check it out. Paul, thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me on. And ladies and gentlemen, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. We'd appreciate it.
100%. We hope you enjoyed our show. We truly thank you for your time. It's our most valuable commodity. So we're still floating like butterflies and stinging like bees. Rumble, you badass jet pilots, rumble. Dr. Paul Thompson, Drew Brown, we both say goodbye. See you guys later. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>